Good morning, noon, and evening around the world and across the shards. The Cavern Today brought to you by the Cavern Communications Network and Until Uru Fan Presentation. If you want to follow along at our blog or for photos or other information like that all-important email where you can send your G-rated comments, please go to echo2thecaverntoday.blogspot.com. Music is courtesy of Huru's LCC. Your hosts today are Tyon and Vrlu. Shoran, welcome to Podcast 9. This is Zam reporting with Veralun. For this podcast, we bring you several interesting things. Later, I will be interviewing Joel and Murray about their wonderful romance starting in Uru and ending in marriage on the surface. Also, there will be a report by Dag on possible Diorsi activity, a book review by Mowog, and even some new music from LCC. It is shaping up to be an exciting podcast. What do you think, Veralun? Veralun! Need to Veralun! What? 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 Oh, oh sorry. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I, I was thinking about the past. Do you know, I, I, I can still remember the song that was playing when I first met Sandy and I started my first journey to Cleft. Oh yes, I know what you mean. Those were the good times. All the puzzles to solve, the new ages to explore. Yeah, meeting other explorers in the cavern for the first time and forcing new friendships. We've come so far since then. Look at all of us now. A thriving community in me. And uh, speaking of friendships, February is the month of friendship and love, you know. Valentine's Day is coming this 14th, so do not forget to get your special someone flowers or chocolate. Hey, Veralun, will you be getting me anything? Well, certainly I will be wishing everyone in and out of Kevin a happy Valentine's Day, Sam. And that goes double for you, just because you asked so nicely. Oh, thank you, Veralun. Shira from Lissa, your friendly desk reporter. Today the cavern is a chilly 58 degrees from all those great big fans in the ceiling that were turned on for testing. You can hear them humming in the distance from the ferry terminal if you listen hard enough. The Maintainer Guild states that once they have finished testing these old fans for the movement of fresh air from the surface into the cavern, most will be turned back off to allow the cavern to warm back up again. So, if you plan on coming down in the next 24 hours, be sure to bring a sweater or a jacket. In Spokane, Washington, it's 37 degrees today and cloudy, and in southern New Mexico, 52 degrees and partly cloudy. In local news, the forum communities are large, strong, and growing. Each game in the Myth series has forums dedicated to them all over the web, in many languages. Websites for different Dunny guilds also often have their own forums. Since the onset of Until Uru, shard forums have popped up as well, but these are young indeed compared to some of those already out there. The Ubisoft forums at forums.ubi.com slash slash forums have a forum section for each. While Mist Riven and Exile forums got clumped together, Mist 4, Revelation, and Mist 5, End of Ages, have their own separate forums. However, Uru, Ages Beyond Mist, has the most extensive forums of all the Mist series at ubi.com. Formites here have developed unique ways to share their Uru experiences without the need of until Uru. In the off-topic forum, affectionately called The Surface, among other threads, an RPG-style thread called The Age and Country Hotel, where Abbeys can gather, talk, drink the house special, Acorn Mead, and have adventures. Another of these threads in the spoiler section, called The Experimental Program, houses the institution neighborhood. Here, Abbeys can travel down to Dunny, where they can research and explore the cavern in ages with their forum friends without the need of until Uru. In fact, the institution hood was on this forum even before its appearance in Uru's tapestry shard. The Dunnypedia Writers Ring forums at www.dpwr.net are a little slower in some areas than the Ubi forums, but on the other hand, these guys have a great archive. You name it, they've got it archived. Quite literally, too, if you don't see a journal or speech or anything else you want in their archive, all you have to do is request it, and sooner or later it'll pop up. 
The DPWR archives are filled with journals, speeches, character bios, maps, and more from all the Miss Games, Uru and Until Uru, and even the Miss Books. Besides their great archives, DPWR has their famous Golden Key photography competitions. Each round, Uru fans submit their key picks. Votes are given in the second week, and at the end, the winner of the Golden Key is announced on the homepage of the website. Occasionally, a special round will be set up, like the Christmas round in December, when altered pictures were allowed. Anyone with key pics and or screenshots are welcome to submit a photo in each round of this contest. Dalkin, I know you are filling in for the recovering old man. After the incident out at Riven Narrows, I wasn't so sure he was going to make it out of there in one piece. This is Dalkin Starbine filling in for old man, bringing you the story on the Riven Narrows Mall Project. Thanks for your concern, Lissa, but he's fine now. The final cast came off last week. It's been a couple of months since his stay at the Bevan Rehab. I think I've been able to put a few observations together, and I can make a coherent statement about what happened. To bring you up to date, old man was headed out to the Narrows when he was offered a lift by two official-looking guys who took him to the rehab. He thought these guys had to be DRC, but now we figure not. In fact, I am starting to believe the entire mall project out there is being developed by a completely different concern. Being the newest reporter with a new perspective, I did some research and found an old number to call the DRC. I got no answer at all. I know there has been a little communication from them into the cavern, but it's not coming from the same place as the TCT's been calling. Perhaps this whole enterprise is a ruse, and these characters are hoping to cash in on some property thought to be abandoned. I need to do a little more research before I venture into making any further conclusions, Lissa. Let's say I get back to you when I have some more information. It's nice working with you and the team for the Cavern Today program. This is Dalkin Starbine, signing off for the Cavern Today. Well, it sounds like a mystery is being unraveled, Dalkin. Good job. Yes, take all the time you need, and I'm glad to see that old man is taking a much-deserved rest and that you've managed to do your own research into the matter. This is Lissa, signing off. Hello, is this Dr. Boyer's radio program? This is Madge Millicuddy. I need to talk to the renowned radiotherapist, Dr. Boyer, please. You told me I needed a second session. I've had to deal with so much stress of late. I can hold. I worked so hard on those JOTC scripts, and then Millicuddy spilled coffee all over them. Dr. Bora? No? I reach a stringer? But this is my second time calling. You should remember me. It matters not one iota why I called before. This time it's about Valentine's and my card box. I don't think I'm going to get any cards. While I started out my life in a box with a lid on it, no bubble wrap, I've been working independently for two years. This CCN assignment is not my first. I've been around. Day one, she's drove me crazy. No, wait. It was the minute she walked into my office. At one time, I was a message machine, but it didn't work out. I've noticed at places I've tempted that when things don't work out, someone gets a promotion. So I was promoted to administrative assistant to the editorial producer, Mr. Crocs. I mean, it was hard enough writing those JOTC scripts, and I had to rewrite them only to see that Millicuddy got her hands on them and added herself Not as a cast good. member. Not too good. Like I said during my last call, Mr. Crocs doesn't appreciate my opening his personal mail. I'll just betcha he's not going to get any Valentine's She needs either. to be restrained or locked out Don't of the office. Don't get snippy. See here. I'm trying to tell you the motivation for my calling. Love is in the air, but not in my air. I need a vacation, and for her to... I have to work with Avis, but I'm not. Uh, if she continues to do things like this, I don't know. 
if I can concentrate on writing the Of course the I'm not. Control. Neither am I IC or OOC. I'm AC, alternating current, and trying so hard to figure... Is it so hard not to be a snoop? I've been allowed to act a little. In fact, I'm playing Alice in Alice in Wonderland next month. I don't know. Some of the Avies really don't give a hoot what I do, and others might be a tad jealous by my in- beauty and oh, infectious personality. And then there is that infectious personality. Oh, man, it's the most annoying thing. I did not say I passed infections to the Avies. I said I had an infectious personality. I'm an excellent phone bot for the very reason of my voice. Since the last time we talked, I had an octave adjustment. You said it sounds the same? But then Millicuddy needs an overhaul. I know. The repairman said complete overhaul, not a patch. Like I said, I need a vacation. But of course I can't take one because I haven't gotten any dinner. No, Donny Money. CCN is running on a shoestring budget. You know, being 18, a guy my age should not have to do I will not make an appointment to see an electrician or programmer. Like I said, I'm not infectious. I'm infectiously sweet. Cuddy, it's a psycho version of a Barbie. I told you I called to speak with Dr. Bora, the world-renowned radiotherapist. <sighs> Doc, I think I have an idea. I was put on hold, and then you started asking It's a little questions. drastic, but I need a break. How would I know why you wanted to ask me these questions? Am I going on air or... I think I am what going to... What do you mean to... you've put me in a queue? How many other callers are waiting to speak with Dr. Bora? Well... Just one? If it's just one, why the long hold? So that's it. What do you think? He has a long and sad story? Oh my goodness, how perfectly awful. I know what it's like not to get along well with others. The place where I work, the Avies try to stay civil, but sometimes one or the other of them will lose their temper. Mrs. O'Degee has an Irish temper, she calls it. She won't lose it for a long time, and then one day she'll come in so cranky and ornery. Then there's Mr. Crocs. He's the quiet, fuming type calls himself a natural cynic. He thinks it's charming. I think it is, too, as long as he doesn't pester me about my job. I was told to keep his inbox filtered, and that is what I do. I can't help it if I come across an interesting tidbit, now Thank can you, I? Thank you, Dr. Bora. I'm glad we No, agreed. wait. I haven't finished. It's not all bad. <sighs> This has been very helpful. No, I think things there are, are many other team members who I don't know as well yet. I try to keep to my own business unless there's something I'd like to get involved with. Sure, uh, Dr. Bora, and thank you. Yes, I do work with Mr. Tyon. How did you know that? What do you mean he has turned in a warranty receipt? I didn't realize I was still under warranty. No wonder I haven't been issued my CAG card. It's a vendetta, that's what it is. Listen, I need to go. I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. No, I'm thinking about a career change. I have a little acting experience now. I may just go into the biz full-time, leave this tedious phone message business behind. Cavern Players and J.O.T.C., here I come. There's no business like show business if you tell me it's so. Traveling through the cavern is so thrilling. Crashing out in front on opening nights. Blue screens as you watch the benches filling and see your markers up there in line. There's no people like show people. They smile when Even they with a flapper low. that you know will fold. You won't be stranded in the cleft shivering Wouldn't cold. Wouldn't even trade it for a sack of Kadish gold. Let's go on with the show. Let's go, Let's go on with the show. 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 Hey, Mr. Tyon, you're not too bad. Yeah, right.
And now, our CCN resident musician, LCC, from the Huru Project Shard, with a new tune, Magellan. Thank you, LCC. What a wonderful tune for our February Love is in the Air podcast. You have been listening to The Cavern Today, a Cavern Communications production and UU fan presentation. Now, back to our program. This is Alhan. It's February, right? Well, that means Valentine's Day, Cupid and his arrows, and love proliferating the air. And on today's shortwave, I have some great news that fits this mood quite well. Murray and Jewel, also known as Cat and Mouse down in the cavern, were married on the surface on November 18, 2005, and spent a delightful honeymoon at Disney World in Florida. The happy couple met in January of 04 during Prologue, and as February is the month celebrating love, on February 4th, CCN underwrote a charming wedding reception for the happy couple at the Bevan Plaza Hotel Hood on the regular UU Huru Project Shard. All their cavern friends, which included explorers from the entire cavern, came to extend their well wishes for a long and happy marriage in the Bevan Plaza Hotel Hood. The guests oohed and awed at the gorgeous wedding bells marker image that hung in the sky over the lake. The image was created by Golden Wedge and placed in the sky by Rex Havoc, who worked for five hours to make it perfect. The lobby of the hotel was bedecked with pictures on the hood imagers, thanks to LCC and Dakota Jr. Of a wedding cake, a Disney World hotel room, and the lovely invitation to the wedding reception created by Supergram's grandson, Matt. And a beautiful ring decoration created by Delnor was placed on the wall near the fountain. With music playing on TeamSpeak courtesy of Catan and Lord Chaos, and a gorgeous wedding cake that had two layers of regular and chocolate cheesecake. There were just a few oddities. Among them, ketchup was supplied at the request of the room, and whiskas and catnip as a side dish, and the block of cheese and snails were on the table as side dishes at the request of the bride. As well, there is a very large chocolate lobster placed at Zam's plate, 
It's a well-known fact on the cavern that Sam, a great friend of the bride and groom, has a special fondness for chocolates. Dancing under the stars, chat and laughter followed the dinner, and finally everyone wishing the couple well as they departed for their rolto in the sky. Hello everyone. I'm very happy to welcome Joel and Murray for this special Valentine program. Joel and Murray met two years ago in Neuro Life and they got married in real life the 18th of November 2005. Some of their Yuru friends were attending the wedding, Glanor and Sacro who was Murray's best man. I was also invited at this wedding but unfortunately due to family matters I had to cancel at the last minute. So I'm very happy to be able to interview them today. Hello, Joel. Hello, Murray. How are you? Hi, Sam. Pretty good, thank you. Now, Hi, Sam. Can you tell us how and when you did meet in your life? And was it love at first sight? Um, it wasn't love at first sight. Um, we met um, over two years ago. That was in Uru Live. And we slowly became friends. And it all started with a very nice PM that I got from Murray. Hi, would you like to be my buddy? And That's did you say yes? Not right away, because I very much uh, nervous of the game. I was alone in it and everything. And uh, I uh, asked her in the game, actually. I, I used to read her uh, wonderful posts on BI forum. And I sent her a PM on the UBI forum asking her to be a buddy. You know, Yeah, we became friends. And um, the game closed down about... Uh, two weeks after we met. How did you feel about each other when uh, Uru Live was going down? It was, uh, everyone was uh, making uh, the goodbyes to each other. We all exchanged mail address. Did you do the same? Well, that was very funny because um, Murray at one point asked me my email address because he had a feeling that it would go down. And I wouldn't give it because I was nervous and I thought, I don't know this person. I like Murray in the game, but you never know what people are like in real life. Yeah, true. And then at one point, um, Uru really went down and then I had to make a decision. I thought, I don't want to lose him as a friend. Yes. So um, I gave him my email address and that was the best decision I ever made. When did you declare your love for each other and uh, how did you decide and when did you decide to meet in real life? Because you knowing someone on the net and uh, making the step to meet the person in real life is a big one. Yes, it was. And it, it didn't happen um, at once because first we send each other emails for months. And then gradually we started to use voice chat, first on MSN, yeah. and then we discovered Skype, which was a wonderful thing to communicate. And um, we talked for maybe three, four, five hours a day, just playing games and, and chatting. Yeah. And then gradually we became such good friends that in November last year we decided we have to meet. And we did in May this year. Yeah. Uh, I mean uh, 2005. That must have been very exciting, the days just before the meeting. How did it happen? How was the first meeting? Did we met uh, in London, England at Gatwick Airport. And strange enough, it, uh, it wasn't, um, it's like we'd always, always known each other for many years. You know, it was, there was absolutely nothing strange about it. Because we, we, well, we got to know each other inside uh, rather than outside, you know, like in, in, in on the surface in the real world you you meet somebody and you ask them out for dinner and you have a small chat and everything well we we only knew each other inside we knew each other inside very well mind you we'd swapped a lot of pictures and little movies and stuff over the um, the internet and i've talked to her parents and everything and we really knew each other very very well when we finally met in real life so it was not a surprise just looked at each other and said, i've always known you when did you decide to get married was it at the first meeting exam we decided to get married before we ever met and everybody thought we were crazy because on that very same day, the 5th of uh, May 2005, we got engaged. And that was the first day we, we saw each other in real life. And everybody said, you're absolutely crazy. How can you um, get engaged to somebody you have not seen even? But when we saw each That's other... That's in pictures of each other. Pictures and little movies, yes. Yeah. Not naughty movies, <laughs> mind you. <laughs> And um, and we decided 
we were we were right for each other, and the moment we saw each other, we knew we did the right thing. That is great. When you met, you discovered that uh, you were really soulmates. Oh yeah, yeah, right from the start. Yeah, no, that's no, we'd pretty well made up our mind which way we were going um, long before we we met up in London, and it was just uh, we spent so many. So many hours together on the internet. It's a, a really a nice love story, and I think many people yeah. would dream to have the same sort of uh, love story that, that you have because you seem so happy and. Oh sure. Well, the funniest thing was uh, was uh, Sophia's mother. We didn't know how to tell her what was going on. I said, and uh, finally she got up enough nerve to tell tell her mother. She says, "Oh, I thought you were going to." You're going to tell me that for the last six months. <laughs> Actually, I, I would have to say that some of our friends in Uru, including yourselves, uh, before we did. Is that true? Yeah, yeah, it's true. <laughs> but we were very suspicious, and but you were so discreet that we didn't know. And in the end, we discovered that you hadn't told each other yet when we already well, knew. All our friends knew. Well, we we can't thank you enough for your your friendship and. Um, our close little community here, I think this has really helped us to come together. Um, all of you have played a part in uh, making this, this marriage possible. It's the truth that we have met our very best friends and our very first mutual friends in Uru, and we will never forget that. Yes, but you know, you are really true friends to us as well. You, we, when we speak about Valentine's Day, it's about love, but I think it should be also about friendship because you are one of the best friends I have right now as well. You know, we spend so much time t all together that uh, it's like we are all part of the same big family, and it's what is really great about Europe. That's why we hope that Uru will have a wonderful future, and uh, we know there are some speculations right now concerning Cyan, and we are really curious to see where this game is going to go. Well, I think we are all waiting for that with great expectations. But in the meantime, I wish you and Murray and all our listeners a very happy Valentine's Day and many, many happy days in until Euro. It's gathering time again. The Dutch Miss community will have its first gathering this year on February 25th till 27th in Hardewijk and Ermelo. We would like to invite all Miss Davids, especially those in Europe, to join us in this event. Already 26 members from both the German Euro Real Life and the Dutch Miss community will attend this casual and informal meeting combined with some bowling and, not to forget, good food and drinks. For more information, please visit us at www.dutchmisscommunity.com and look for the topic International Gatherings. So, if you would like to meet in person with your online friends, this will be a good opportunity to do so. As in our slogan, Dutch Miss Community, where the gathering continues. Shura, everyone. This is Tyon, your host of The Cavern Today coming here to introduce the final episode of Journey of the Called Season 1. Now, don't panic. JOTC is not gone. It's still going to be in the podcasts when Season 2 premieres. Season 2 is already in the works, and at the end of this episode, I will tell you a little more about that. So, just sit back, relax, and enjoy the final episode of Journey of the Called Season 1. Sure. Oh. Hello, Tyon. So you know now? That is correct. And I know you know what I'm going to ask you. <laughs> you know me too well. So then tell me. I won't. Ty, 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 must we play these games? Hmm. I'm not playing. Well, then. I'll ask you one more time. Tell me the key to getting into the cave. You will no. tell me or... Or what? This will persuade you. Kirol once again waved his hand, and suddenly a linking sound could be heard. Sarah! Jeff! Ty! Welcome! Now join your friend! What the... Now tie on. Tell me the key. I will not. I, I will. Be go! 
on, you disgusting creature! Kirol waved his hand to link the barrow away, but it had no effect. How is this possible? I... Oh, no, it cannot be! She is gone! Isha! And so are they. So now I leave you in the one place our little adventure began. Clever. How did you know? I spent a lot of time in this place, and those broken cracks are in the exact places where Yisha's drawings were, and if I am right, this is where the fissure used to be. Very good, Tyler. Very good. Don't be forever imprisoned. Not today. What are you doing? Opening up what has been sealed. Tyon picked up the very sharp rock and stabbed it into the ground, and suddenly a loud sound could be heard. You've lost. I've lost this battle, but not the war. As Kiron linked away, he saw Tyon fall into the fissure, and then complete blackness. Tyon was there, and so was Kiron. We have to find a way back there. I don't there. think it's... You guys all right? Hi. Hi. I'll take that as a yes. What was all that? One minute we were linked in, then pinned to the wall, then linked back here. Just sit down and I'll explain it. Tyon explained everything that occurred in the cave, but didn't reveal anything more about the mysterious cave that was mentioned in his journal. At this, Sarah began to really wonder what he was hiding. So that's the story. What about the cave you found? That is something I cannot speak of, not as of yet. Why? Because Kiral has the power to watch right. us. So, now what? Now we free those who are imprisoned. But first, I believe these are yours. Our Relto books! How did you... That you will never know. Now I need to get a book from my bookshelf, and then we can be on... Ty, before we leave, can I ask you one more thing? What's that? What about everyone else's Relto books? We can't know which belongs to who. They will simply appear on the belts again. Compliments of Yisha. All right, well, I guess that clears that up. All right. Ty, what are you... Welcome back to the Barrow Caves. Now let's get to work. How did you... Never mind. Tyon held out his Aegura City book, and everyone was linked back to Dni. After everyone refreshed themselves with food and water, along with some sleep in their own relto huts, restoration efforts were underway. Tyon, Sarah, and Jeff did what they could to help out with restoring the damaged areas. And after three-week work, the affected areas were nearly restored. Well, it's good to see a clean Takata yes, Why hasn't Kiral interfered? Because he has no power. Well, he's got to be up to something. True, but he won't be interfering just yet. How do you know? Because I know Kiral's character. He will stay back until a chance opens for him. After a little discussion, Tyon linked away and Sarah and Jeff walked down to the ferry dock. It's so good to be back. Oh, yes, it sure is. Oh, good, you guys are here. Ah, time, what's up? Well, Jeff, the new journey is out. Yeah, so when do we all head out? Well, you and I will move out, but Sarah is staying here. What? Jeff, I told Ty I'm going to stay here. I'm going to help with the restoration. But what about our adventure? You know I love a good adventure, but I need a break. Maybe someday when the time comes, I'll take a new Jeff, quest. Jeff, she will take one path, while you will take another. It is the way of life, each of us traveling one road, leading to an end and a beginning. Well, that's true. I'll miss you, Sarah. I'll miss you, too. You too, Ty. Well, Jeff, we must go. I guess my break is over. Goodbye, guys. Sure Good luck. Good journeys to you, my friend. That's it for Journey of the Called Season 1, guys. I hope you enjoyed the final episode. Now, on to Season 2. 
As you know, season one just closed up the questions on Tyon, Sarah, and Jeff. Also, Kiral. But don't worry, he is still going to be around. In fact, Kiral's background will be explained in season two. And season two will also introduce some new characters. And new places. Also, I am looking for another voice actor for season two a female voice actor, so if you girls are interested in playing a character in JOTC, then please contact me at sorablader at hotmail.com. That's it for now. You have been listening to The Cavern Today, a Cavern Communications production and UU fan presentation. Now, back to our program. Hello again. This is Moog for The Cavern Today. Coming this spring, the Cavern Players will be premiering their presentation of Alice in Wonderland on April 10th. The adaptation, done by Ruby O'Degee, will sound very familiar to listeners. Her abridged version remains true to the original story, written by Lewis Carroll, circa 1865. Acting in the production as Alice, Madge Millicuddy, and her first feature-length role. Opposite her are all the characters you'll remember from the story you read as a child, or to a child. Even better... Tyon as the Caterpillar and the Cheshire Cat, Moog as the March Hare, Mad Hatter, and Frog Footman, Dark UK as the White Rabbit, Zam as the French Mouse, Dormouse, and the Duchess, Deg as the King of Hearts, Anne D as the Queen of Hearts, Altidvarber as the Griffin, and Matthias as the Mock Turtle, with Supergram as Pigeon, SJ as Duck, Miles as Hedgehog and Dodo, Stella Flora as Lori, Verloon as Pig, Dalkin as Cook and Eaglet, Steve Crox as the Knave, and Merle as Cavern Bill. Our own deck of cards will round out the cast, and narration will be done by Galen, Alhan, and Lissa. The audio version will be made available as the Podcast 11 feed, and the feature-length film illustration by Vera Loon, with stop-action photography by Stella Flora, will be made available to you to download through iTunes feed or through the shortwave. The program will be filmed entirely on location in the cavern, and since the Wonderland story is so connected in one way or another to our own cavern story, we can proudly say that this is a Cavern Communications production, an Until Uru fan presentation that you won't want to miss. Coming April 10, 2006. For The Cavern Today, this is Mowag signing off. Hello again, this is Mowag for The Cavern Today. In this, the third and final edition of our book review feature, we'll be talking about Mist, the Book of Dany, written by Rand Miller and David Wingrove. As many of you already know, this is the third book in a trilogy which also comprises Mist, the Book of Atris, and Mist, the Book of Tiana. You may recall that in the first book we meet Atris, the character who plays such a central role in nearly all of the Mist adventures that follow. We followed him through his unusual childhood, growing up with his grandmother in a desert cleft near a dormant volcano. We learned that he was descended from a great and powerful race called the Dani, now extinct, or presumably so. We learned that this race had lived in an enormous cavern beneath the desert, and possessed the incredible ability to link themselves to different worlds at will through the art of writing, a mysterious phenomenon built around the scientific construction of special books, each containing specific descriptions of these worlds, and using the great tree of possibilities to forge links between ages vastly separated by both space and time. Reading from the Book of Dani, we find this commentary on linking, and I quote, Atris looked up at the night sky, wondering, not for the first time, just when he was. From his studies of the star charts in the observatory, he had worked out that he was in a very different part of the galaxy from the planet he knew as Earth, or its equivalent, if one even existed in this age. But it was more difficult to tell just how far he was from it in time, for when one linked, there were no limits. The mind-staggering vastnesses of time and space were irrelevant. Congruity or the matching of word and place, was all that mattered, or, as his grandfather Itris had explained it to his grandmother Anna, these ages are worlds that do exist, or have existed, or shall. Providing the description fits, there is no limitation of time and space. The link is made regardless. End quote. We saw what happened when Atris's father, Gen, returned unexpectedly and took Atris with him, intending to return him to the cavern and make a writer of him. The adventure that followed made for gripping reading and was a fitting introduction to the series. 
In the second book, we went back in time to meet Atris' grandmother, Anna, a surface dweller who had no knowledge of the wonders that lay beneath her desert home. While studying with her geologist father, they happened upon some very strange rock features, and her investigation of those features found her in the great cavern of Denis. The story vividly described an epic internal struggle among the Denis people. Should they accept this outsider? Expel her? Imprison her? No matter. Not only had she proven her quick intelligence and an astonishing aptitude for learning the Denis language, she had fallen in love with a young guildsman named Itris. And the rest of the story describes the consequences of her coming, how there arose a bitter conflict between Itris and his best friend Viovis, and how Viovis' tragic collaboration with the crazy mystic Agaris brought about the disastrous fall of the Denis race. And that's when we come to the Book of Denis. The story opens 70 years after the fall, and we find Atris once again in his prison in the bowels of Kavir. But we also learn that during his imprisonment, which we witnessed in the games Mist and Riven, he was evidently provided with links to selected ages where he could find food, water, etc. His only confinement, it seems, was that he was prohibited from leaving the chamber and reaching the city of Denis, or what was left of it, and whatever linking books it might still contain. One of the ages available to Atris was the world of Averone, and as the story begins, we find Atris and several young apprentices from that world attempting to break the seal of the chamber and gain access to the rest of the pinnacle mansion of Kavir. At last they manage this, and Atris, Catherine, and their Averonese assistants begin a fastidious search of the mansion in an attempt to find any artifacts that Atris' father, Gen, might have left. They do find some of his journals, but the real adventure starts when they repair some damaged boats and make their way to the city itself. And here's where I was a bit unclear at first, since the earlier novels make it plain that Agura, the city as we know it from Uru, was separate and distinct from the city proper, which was much larger and located at one side of the cavern, arrayed up the northern slope of the cavern wall. Whatever the case, the descriptions in the Book of Denis seem to make it plain that the city in question is indeed Agura, and I'll repeat that having read this novel before entering Uru for the first time made that experience that much more amazing. I was actually in the city where all of this took place, but I digress. Upon reaching Agora, the team set up a temporary camp at the ferry terminal. The main group comprised Atris and Catherine, as well as three favorites from their Averonese followers, namely the girl Merum, Iris, and his cousin Kared. The remainder of the team was made up of around 24 students of Averon who had been granted permission to accompany Atris back to Dunny. Their chief task, and the theme of the first part of the book, was to search the ages in an attempt to reach any possible survivors of the fall in hopes of returning these survivors to their home cavern and restoring the Dunny race. And in order to do this, they needed to scour the city to find any linking books that might have survived the disaster. They knew that a relative handful of the Dunny had indeed escaped the pestilence released by Viovis and Agaris, but where they had gone and the existence of the books that linked them there was a complete mystery. During their search of the city, the band did indeed find a fair collection of linking books and tested each one with extreme caution before actually attempting a link. It was during one of these tests that one of their Averonese fellows, Gavas, was tragically lost when he conducted a test link to an age, only to arrive at a world whose son had gone Nova, overcoming the defenses of his maintainer suit. On another trip to a habitable age, another Averonese, Mir, was to their astonishment killed by a wild beast. But later attempts were more successful, and they managed to find several ages with Denis settlements. And many of the Denis exiles, while skeptical at first, were at last elated to see Atris and his followers, and they gladly returned to the cavern in hopes of returning it to its former grandeur. Some of these exiles were former guildsmen, who were only too glad to resume their former duties as stonemasons and so forth, and the work went well in the face of tremendous odds. It was during excavations of the guild hall that a momentous discovery was made. Beneath the hall lay the remains of a much older structure, evidently built along the datum line of the Great Zero, as was the custom. And breaking through stone seals revealed a very large, very ancient library, evidently dating back to the earliest days of Denis. The team was astonished to find an enormous collection of very old books, with unfamiliar writing that evidently greatly predated the Dunny script they knew. And at the end of that chamber was another sealed door, which revealed a single great linking book. 
After careful analysis of the age described in the book, initial test links showed the world to be habitable. And when a small team linked to the age, they found themselves in the heart of a ruined structure deep in a forest. But that was nothing compared to their astonishment at what they found upon reaching the edge of the plateau. Before their gaze spread a world of such staggering beauty that they could scarcely believe what they were seeing. Not only were the natural wonders of this age unlike anything they'd ever seen before, the buildings were of such immense size and richness that the travelers assumed them to be palaces. Leaving the plateau, the travelers first came to the home of a man called Jethe Rojethe, where they were welcomed and treated as honored guests. As it turned out, these palaces were merely the homes of well-to-do landowners. The world was known as Terani, and its people were evidently of the same roots of the Dani, for they spoke a heavily accented dialect of the language. They lived in a state of absolute luxury, surrounded by everything they could possibly desire, and were waited upon by a servant caste called the Parli. The Terani were intellectuals and prided themselves on their witty conversation, riddles, and challenging puzzles, such as a complex maze room that changed as players made their way through it, the rooms moving by some mysterious force into new configurations. Likewise, the people traveled on beautiful boats, lounging under silken canopies while the boats were moved along flower-lined canals by some unknown power and lifted through elaborate locks by the same force. As Atra's people became closer acquainted with the Terani and their world, he became increasingly convinced that the future of the Dunny race lay not in the cavern, but in this magnificent age with its noble people. But the dream was shattered when, during a casual conversation, Atrus happened to refute a statement made by one of their hosts that only the Dani and Terani could write ages, by mentioning that other worlders, or Arotanti, could indeed write if taught. And he closed by stating that he himself was only part Dani, that his grandmother and wife were entirely of non-Dani heritage. The shock upon the faces of their hosts were extreme. Rojetha immediately proceeded to lock the doors of the chamber for fear that the unseen, or the Relyima, would hear what had been said, and in very short order a vile truth about Tirani was made known to the Dani travelers. Beneath the surface of the age, behind the walls of the mansions, under the boat canals, hidden behind the walls of the maze rooms, indeed the very motive power behind their entire world, was a hidden race of slaves, billions of them. And these Relyama, known also by the Dani word Baro, or beast people, were regarded as invisible by the Tirani, Indeed, even if a slave emerged into plain view, the Tarani had so conditioned themselves to ignore them that they simply looked through them and refused to see. Note that the word baro was also applied to the strange creatures we encountered in Uru and Mist 5, but in this case the slaves were most certainly of human form. Over a space of millennia, they had been stolen from many ages and brought to Tehrani to work their lives away. Atra's statement suddenly changed everything. No more were they regarded as honored guests, and they were quickly confined to their rooms. It was about this time that the travelers were made aware of an ancient prophecy known to the Tehrani, that one day a dark power would arrive and prove to be the downfall of their world. At first the Tehrani were unconcerned, feeling that the fall of Dani, as related to them by Atrus, was the fulfillment of that prophecy in that it befell a portion of their race. But the true fulfillment came very soon and proved more tragic than any could have imagined. It started with a mysterious sickness among the Relyama, a sudden malady that proved fatal to all but the young and strong, and from them it spread to the Tehrani people themselves, and to the Parli. The effect was devastating. In the space of mere weeks, the entire population of their world was decimated. Tehrani, Parli, and Relyama alike fell to this infection, and the sky was blackened with the smoke of funeral pyres. To the horror of the visitors from Dunny, they discovered that the plague had originated with themselves. It was a stomach bacteria, benign to the people of Dunny and Averone, but lethal to anyone living on Tehrani, who had no natural defenses against the germs. As the population fell precipitously, another crisis loomed. The Rilyama saw their masters steadily dying and leaving them without supervision or government, and as the slaves saw their masters perishing, Certain elements arose among them advocating overthrow of the few Tehrani that remained. One of these rebels, a certain Emor, gained an enormous following. He was a brutal and vicious man bent on revenge against the Tehrani and their parley stewards who had abused them for millennia. Of the final battle, I'll leave that for you to read for yourselves. 
Suffice it to say that victory came through an unanticipated channel, and that in the end, the great linking book that led from Tehrani to Dunny was forever sealed in stone. Merem was wed to the young Tehrani noble Idra, and they later bore a daughter that they named Anna. The remaining Dunny and Averonese settled in a new age written by Atrus. As for the Relyama, they stayed behind on Tehrani, which they renamed Devokan. Atrus's family settled in their new home, Tamana, to raise their new daughter, Yisha, and no more did they dream of rebuilding the deep city in the cavern. Thank you for listening. The Book of Dany, published in 1997 by Hyperion, is available from Amazon.com, either alone or as part of The Mist Reader, which contains all three novels. For The Cavern Today, this is Moag, signing off. May the pinnacles rise up to meet you. May the glowbergs be always at your back. May the sunshine reflect on every Yisha page you do not see. And may the rain fall on your alto, only when you desire rain. And until we meet again, may you be blessed with thy good fortune wherever you settle. Shura Mishiem. Thank you for listening to The Cavern Today. If you would like more information about our program or the Cavern Communications Network, please go to our website at www.thecaverntoday.com and click on the Form tab. Or visit our blog at www.thecaverntoday.blogspot.com. Stella Flora, our resident CCN photographer, and Moog, our resident blogger, will keep you up to date about what is going on at CCN. Our CCN staff is Tyon, Washington, USA, Verloon, the Netherlands, Zam, France, Lissa, Texas, USA, Moog, Missouri, USA, Drachmith, USA, SJ, Illinois, USA, Supergram, New York, USA, Deg, Pennsylvania, USA, Ken Telenome, Ohio, USA, Pally 64, Switzerland, Lord Chaos, California, USA, Toronico, California, USA, Dark UK, United Kingdom, Stella Flora, United Kingdom, Marin, the Netherlands, Miles, South Africa, JWPJ, Australia, Gadrin, Kansas, USA, Delanor, the Netherlands, Galen, Iowa, USA, All Mist, North California, USA, Steve Crocs, United Kingdom, Ellery, Washington, USA, Mateus, United Kingdom, Decoder J, Ohio, USA, Aldi Warber, the Netherlands, LCC from the Huru Project Shard, Ohio, USA, Dalkin Starbine, Illinois, USA, Alham, Wisconsin, USA, Ruby O'Degee, Florida, USA, Donahue, South California, USA, Dreaming Girl, USA, Mrs. McGillicuddy bought temporary services, Poughkeepsie, USA. The Cavern Today, the Cavern Players Troupe, and the Shortwave are all CCN productions and until Uru fan presentations. This is Tyon, signing off.